Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. Um, we had Rooster call in the last, uh, at the end of last hour and said one great way to stop bleeding is use cornstarch. We've had a pile of doctors call in and say, please don't do that. Rooster, if you're listening, the doctors say, please, please don't do that. It's a great way to promote bacterial growth in the wound. <laughs> All right. All right. We got to move on. Uh, I'm sure by now this. Uh, OK, this story, please listen to me on this. It, it's really starting to annoy me, the number of smart people who are falling for this stuff. Everybody wants to believe the worst these days, and there are a lot of people chasing clout who are are trying to toy with your emotions. We're in postmodern times, I realize, and everything is emotional and relational, and people tell you stuff, and you believe it, and y'all are getting played. 2,000 cows in Kansas fell over dead the other day. You probably heard the number was 10,000. One media outlet has said it could be as high as 10,000, and that was taken as the number. The state of Kansas says the actual number of disposed carcasses was 2,000, not 10,000. It could be 10,000 because farmers are not required to report uh, dead cattle um, but the most farmers rely on the state to help dispose of the carcasses properly uh, so that the farmers don't have to deal with the expense. The state will take care of it. And uh, of those who had the state, it was 2000 not 10000 But a, a, a group of conspiracy theorists on the right are seizing on a lot of these sorts of stories. And in so doing, um, they are pushing off on you the idea that well there's 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 something you've never heard of before there's something happening new it's it's different um what we're dealing with here is the Bader Meinhof phenomenon there are you're hearing about stories you've never heard about thanks to the internet and thanks to your connection on social media, people are throwing stories at you you've never heard of, and suddenly they seem to be very much more frequent when there's really nothing out of the ordinary. So let me put this in proper perspective for you. Let's say there were 10,000 cows, not 2,000, that fell over dead the last couple of days. I want to actually talk about that particular story, but I need to put it in proper context for you. Do you know how many farm animals in the United States die every year due to heat, disease, and stress, not butchering. Just on the farm, heat, disease, and stress. Do you know how many farm animals, pigs, cows, and chickens, die in this country every year due to heat, disease, and stress? Anybody? Are you ready for this? 20 million. 20 million Pigs, cows, and chickens die every year in this country due to heat, disease, and other stress. That's without being butchered. 20 million. And you're talking about 10,000 cows, and it's a grand conspiracy. So here's what happened according to the Department of Agriculture in Kansas. 
cows, as you know, are resilient in the heat. We have them all over Georgia, South Georgia, Texas. You get cows, it gets over 100 degrees, and the cows don't fall over dead. Except when there are factors at play that were in play in Kansas. It was the perfect storm for cows getting heat stroke and dying. And this happens every year. Typically in the United States alone, by the end of summer, we will have lost several hundred thousand cows to heat stroke. We've lost two to 10,000 in Kansas right now. Let me explain to you what they're saying happened in Kansas from the farmers in Kansas. Uh, that uh, Kansas has had a very, very, very mild spring and summer so far. It has been so mild, in fact, in Kansas that the winter coat of the cows has not completely been shed. Many of the cows had more fur on them than they normally do at this time of year. And it has stayed in the 70s and 80s until last week or the other day, the temperature shot up to over 100 degrees. It went from 80 degrees through a night of savage rainstorms to 100 degrees. And it stayed in the 90s at night. The temperature did not come down at night. Now, that in and of itself isn't a problem, except they've got their winter coat on. They haven't completely shed. So they're retaining more heat than normal. But then there's something else happening as well. There was no wind. There was no breeze. In Texas, they're dealing with the same problem with the power grid. The wind turbines haven't been moving in Texas because it's been very stiflingly hot without a lot of breeze. So you have no breeze to help with the evaporative uh, sweat off the cow. You've got extra fur on the cow because it's been so mild until now, so they're furrier than normal. They haven't shed it all yet. And you got temperatures that spiked over 100 degrees in the daytime and never got below the high 90s at night, mid-90s at night. So the cows are falling over with heat stroke and dying. This is a normal cycle, folks. Talk to farmers about this, and what you'll find is this isn't out of the ordinary. When these factors combine, uh, you're going to have cows. This isn't some sort of sinister conspiracy. And if it's a sinister conspiracy to make our lives more miserable, it's got to be the Republicans, isn't it? Because the Democrats are already making our lives miserable. They don't need help doing it. So it must be the Republicans trying to steer people to them in November by creating a food shortage. No, no, it's an act of God. That's what it is. There's no conspiracy. But people are taking these stories and they're scaring you and convincing you there must be something wrong. Take the the COVID vaccines. I had to have this conversation with a friend of mine the other day who's in Congress who was concerned about this. It's like, have you heard about all the kids that are falling over dead? Like we're seeing a spike in kids falling over dead. No explanation. Developing a problem, they're falling over dead. Or some, they're just dying, like healthy kids dying. We're seeing an increase in healthy kids dying. It's all over the internet. You Google it. Healthy kids, there's a spike in them dying. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because of COVID. No, 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 no. Not, not because of the COVID vaccine. But because for the last year and a half, everybody's been home. Nobody's been outside engaged in risky behavior. People have been in lockdown. People have been shut down. If you take the 2020, 2021 year out of it, the number of kids, healthy kids dying in this country is right where it was in 2018, 2017, 2016. It's just that big dip because of COVID makes it look like there's a big spike now. 
But if you get rid of the COVID years, the baseline shifts, the five-year average, it's slightly higher than the five-year average. And the explanation for being slightly higher than the five-year average is twofold. One, kids are getting back out of the house. They've been in the house for a year. They've engaged in riskier behavior now, getting it out of their system. And also, yes, in some cases, teen suicides have increased because of the lockdowns. But statistically, you're really not outside the normal for the five-year average of teenagers dying in this country. Or the last one. This is my personal favorite. Did you know the number of food processing facilities in the United States that have had fires and destruction and damage, death and mayhem in the food supply? Surely you've heard about this, all the food processing facilities. My gosh, I get this one from listeners all the time. And I have to ask them. I have to ask them. Do you know how many food processing fires there are in the United States every year? So for farm animals dying from heat, disease, and stress, it's 20 million. For food processing facility fires in this country every year, there are more than 5,000. There were more than 5,000 during the Trump administration a year, more than 5,000 during the Obama administration a year. More than 5,000 during the the, uh, Bush administration. But there's also a sleight of hand going on here to show a spike because, again, a lot of these places shut down during COVID. And so it looks like there's an extraordinary burst of mayhem happening at food processing facilities. But if you take the shutdowns out, the year of shutdowns with COVID – It's perfectly normal. If anything, we're below average. In fact, one of the things that the conspiracists are doing is they're adding in places to exaggerate what's happening. So, for example, one of the places that that if you look at the list of of arson attacks and the like, their purported arson attacks, it's actually a butcher shop in Boston caught fire, had an electrical fire in the back of the place, faulty wiring. It was a butcher shop. Wasn't a food processing facility. Well, I mean, it technically is, but not in the way you think of it. It wasn't some massive food mill. It was just a butcher shop. Or, for example, there's one uh, close to me down in, in Covington, Georgia. There's, I think it's a General Mills facility. It's on the list. Why? Because a, a two passengers took off from an airport in a little uh, Cessna plane and crashed in the parking lot. Had a mechanical failure and crashed in the parking lot. They were both killed. I think it was a father and a daughter. They were killed in the parking lot, uh, the plane crash in the parking lot. The facility itself was completely unharmed, but it's on the list. It's on the list now. All of these things have rational explanations. And the majority of the, of the spikes that you're being told about are because of the shutdown lockdown sequence during 2020, 2021. If you take that out, everything meets the normal parameters for deaths, For livestock deaths, for food processor facility fires, for teenagers dying, all of those things. So why are you being told this stuff? One of it, again, is Bader-Meinhof. You know how when you you look up a word, you hear a word, you're not sure what it is, you look up the definition of it, and then suddenly you hear the word all the time. You're like, how are people all of a sudden using this word? Well, they're not. They've been using it the whole time, but because you didn't know what it was, your brain just tuned it out. The same thing with this stuff. It seems like there are more earthquakes on the planet 
these days than in the past. And it seems like there are more volcanic uh, volcanic explosions and eruptions on the planet than there were in the past. Actually, you talk to geologists and they tell you it's nothing different. The only thing different is we hear about them more often now because of the news cycle. The same with all these other things. You're hearing about them now. You've got people out there seeding these conspiracy theories to you on social media, on on various internet news forums that are conspiracy-bound. And then suddenly you start hearing about them all in the news and you're suddenly paying attention. It's not that they're new. It's just you hadn't been paying attention to the phenomenon. And now that you're paying attention to the phenomenon, it seems like they're happening all the time. Well, they were the whole time, all the time. You just now found out about it and you think there's a conspiracy theory because people online are trying to get you to do that. Now, why? And this is the part you need to understand. There's a website called Clout. And it summarizes precisely what's going on here. On clout, you can go see how big someone's social media presence is, their clout online. And there are a lot of people online chasing clout. They are trying to grow their clout. And we're in a postmodern era. And in a postmodern era, what people do to gain clout is gain your trust because you don't believe the news media. You don't believe what you hear on TV. You don't hear believe what you hear in the paper. You're trying to find someone to whom you can have an emotional connection, and that person's going to be your truth teller. And so all of these people are out there trying to become your truth teller to who you relate so that they can build their clout. And the way they're doing it is they are feeding you information you're not hearing anywhere else. You're paying attention to it and to them, and they are growing their clout And they're not telling you the full story. They're telling you the things they need you to hear so you keep coming back to them for the information. And they are getting rich as social media influencers. In the process, they're keeping you in a state of panic and worry. 2,000 cows in Kansas died in a heat wave that was unexpected, unprecedented, and for which the cows were not prepared to handle the stressors of the summer because they still had winter coats on due to a very mild spring. It may have been as high as 10,000, but the state's not aware of it being 10,000, but one media outlet said it was probably more like 10,000, and now 10,000 has been accepted as fact despite no head count of the actual dead cows. And it sounds like someone must be out there poisoning the cattle to ruin the food supply, to drive us into starvation and famine like the rest of the world. And if you follow me online, I'll reveal to you the secret Gnostic knowledge so you know how to prevent it and you can buy your survival food. I mean, that's essentially what's going on here. Y'all are being played because you're becoming familiar with stories that are regular cyclical events, but you don't know they're regular cyclical events. And so the people who are telling you about the story, they're not giving you the full picture of 20 million dead farm animals a year due to heat, disease, and stress in this country. They're just giving you one snippet of the story you haven't heard before, blowing it out of proportion. So you're going to keep going back to those people for more, aren't you? Because they're telling you the stuff no one else is telling you. And really what they're telling you, are a bunch of distorted truths that you could say are lies. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing 
And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it, and I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. If you text the word SHOW to 33777, you can get the podcast, uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. You can get the 24-7 live stream, and you can subscribe to my daily email. Uh, that's the most important one because you get all the links to the show if you're a subscriber. Um, you can get all that by texting SHOW to 33777. I'll send you the links back. Let's go to Steve calling on the phone. Steve, welcome. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, I've been getting a little bit more frustrated uh, over the years. I'm 58, so I lived through the Carter, Reagan, uh, Bushes, and whatnot. Uh, But, you know, when Obama was president and he pulled the stuff with the IRS on the Tea Party, Mm -hmm. uh, and I can't even mention how many other things he did that I can't remember, but... Then, uh, you know, Trump became president. I don't recall Trump doing any of that stuff, but he may have. And I, just being a conservative, I didn't notice. But now again with uh, Biden, it's the same thing. I don't understand how the president of the United States, that's their main job is to enforce the law. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know how they get away with it, him, the DAs. Yeah, yeah, and you know, this is something I think the Supreme Court really at some point has to to weigh in on the number, the willingness to say, oh yeah, we're not going to enforce the law, um, and or or you enforce it selectively, which is also a problem. But part of right. this as well is it requires Congress uh, to take action, and it requires Congress to do something, and the fact that uh, Congress under the control of the Democrats at this point, uh, has not been willing to investigate or do anything to make Joe Biden's administration look bad. That's part of it, and that's going to change after November when the Republicans at least take back the House, probably the Senate as well. A lot of that's going to change, deservedly so. It's got to change. There's got to be uh, an actual enforcement of the law. If you're not willing to enforce the law, then you lose the credibility You've gotta, you gotta be able to force enforce the law, and you gotta be able to do it um, equally. Now, when we come back, a friend of mine is going to join me. Uh, Sherry Gilligan 
is in the state legislature in Georgia. Now, for those of you who are listening outside of Georgia, you're like, why do I want to listen to a state legislator? Because this is really important. Uh, if you're in Illinois or in Ohio, if you're in Arizona, there are conservative groups starting in legislatures like Freedom Caucuses. And they are the conservatives in your states who are trying to not just hold the line against uh, Democrat and liberalism, but against the Republicans, too, many times who want to sell out and cut a really bad deal with the Democrats to try to get crumbs off the table. And Republican leaders in these states are attacking the conservatives in the state legislature and trying to force them out of office. The biggest fight in the nation right now at the state legislative level is here in Georgia, uh, Sherry Gilligan in the state legislature. The lobbyists, the Chamber of Commerce, the Speaker of the House in Georgia, they're all out to get her because she has the audacity to tell her own side this isn't conservative. They're coming for her. I hope the voters in Georgia in the runoff this next week will stand up for her. I'm going to talk to her about this phenomenon. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show across the nation. Glad to have you with me. Now, I got a friend with me by phone. Uh, She is state representative for the 24th House District in the state of Georgia and Forsyth County, Georgia. She's been there since 2015, and every two years, the Republican leaders come for her. Because she's willing to actually not toe the party line. Uh, so joining me by phone, Sherry Gilligan, how are you? I am wonderful, and thank you for having me. Now, I gotta, I just, this phenomenon, and I realize now I'm, I'm, I'm not just a Georgia show, I'm a national show, but it's a phenomenon that happens in every state in the country, particularly with Republicans, where when you as a conservative are actually a conservative, And you highlight uh, that what the Republicans are doing might not actually be small government or conservative. They come after you and try to find lobbyists to run against you. And this seems to happen to you every two years. Yeah, it seems to happen. And there's a reason it seems to happen, because it does. Uh, The only time I believe I did not have an opponent was in 2020. They just left me alone. I had a Democrat opponent. And uh, the year after I won in 2016, they didn't come after me. But then again, in 2015, I had won with 75 percent of the votes. Maybe they were just uh, saving, saving their energy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's so frustrating to me um, because when I look at your voting record, uh, you you're you're pro-life, you're small government, you support families and, and school choice, all the stuff that the voters want, uh, but because you don't necessarily support the agenda of the Speaker of the House or the leadership, uh, some lobbyists always throw some money at at somebody to run against you. Yeah. Now, the lobbyist doesn't find somebody. Uh, There is is somebody in the the House who has uh, picked my opponent uh, in 2018 and again now in 2022. And uh, it's very frustrating because this is somebody that I need to work with, right? We're Mm -hmm. supposed to be able to trust those that we call our colleagues. But in this uh, world, this political world, you you can't trust anybody because as soon as they can, they find somebody to run against me after they've said nice things to my face or stabbing me in the back. 
Yeah, and like I mean, it, the, the, the thing here that I, I just I need everybody to understand, because I know, like, for example, I was talking to some friends of mine up in Illinois. Uh, we're on up there now, uh, WMAY, in Springfield, Illinois, and I was talking to a local Republican from South Illinois, said that pretty much the exact same thing, that uh, the Republicans have no chance – in Illinois, uh, they don't have they don't control power there. They're not going to control power, unlike in Georgia. Uh, but when a conservative pipes up and says, "You know what? We shouldn't be cutting this deal with the Democrats because it's actually going to make lives worse uh, for small business owners in in Illinois," the Republicans want to push that person out as if they're going to have a shot at getting elected anyway. Uh, and then I see in Georgia where you've actually got a leadership issue here, where you actually are in the majority. You should be focused on parents and small businesses and small government, and yet they come after you because you actually are. Right. I, it's also funny because I think their conscience gets seared or, or pierced. There are times when those of us who are conservatives will vote our conscience, will vote our district, and they get mad at us for voting against a measure that they really wanted to vote no on. But they couldn't because they knew that would get them in trouble with the leadership in the in the chamber. Well, risk the anger of the leadership in the chamber and do the right thing for yourself, your district, and your conscience. But they're mad at me when I vote no instead of just joining me in the fight. Amen to that. You know, it's, it's funny you should, you should say that because I have heard this more than once of the people who they feel like they get exposed – by people like you who actually vote as a conservative, they would like to vote as a conservative. They don't want to get in trouble. They don't want to risk a committee membership or a committee leadership slot or something. And so they they vote the way leadership tells them to vote, even though they don't want to. And they get really mad at you that you didn't cave like they caved. And it's almost projection. It is a projection. And and like I said, it's it's got to be that they – know that I was right. They know in their soul that I was right. They just didn't have the courage. Well, courage is what we're lacking. We need people who have enough courage to stand up for. It's amazing. Every Republican across the state probably has a platform that's 90, 95 percent, just like my platform. But our voting records don't reflect that. Mm -hmm. So they say one thing and govern a different way. Why do they do that? I don't know why they do that. I just want to be true to the people. Amen to that. It, it just it, it really does. Can you talk about the pressure that you guys come under oftentimes from leadership to to cut the deal, make the compromise, even though it, it's what, you know, violates your principles? Yeah. Um, like I said, it takes courage. It's it's not fun to go up against people and and uh, look like the bad guy. Nobody really wants to go into the room and say, boy, I can't wait to see who I can torque today. Well, at least I don't I don't live my life that way. And and so when you know that your position on a committee is at risk or your legislation that you're trying to get through is at risk, unless you go along, then it's real easy. It's easy to just go along, but it's not right. Uh, And I'll give you a real perfect example Uh, A couple of years back, we had a uh, childhood cancer awareness bill. I had gotten the approval to be able to carry this wonderful piece of legislation. It cost the state no money just to recognize September 1st as Childhood Cancer Awareness Day in the state of Georgia. And we couldn't get it through because of my name. 
being on the top. And that's ridiculous. Everybody agreed with it. It was 100%. Everyone in the entire chamber, both chambers, agreed with this measure. But your legislation is now at risk. Why do we do that when we know it's the right thing? Helping the oh, and by the way, uh, childhood cancer awareness across the nation has received more funding because Georgia stood up and made that uh, that law. But I had to take my name completely off of it. Uh, I was really proud. It started out in the Senate under Senator Beach. It was carried in the House with uh, Representative Deborah Silcox. Uh, but like I said, my name had to be completely and totally removed, and we didn't even have it as a House bill anymore. That's the kind of stuff. It's like, why do I have to play your game your way in order for you to do the right thing? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, gosh, yeah, I totally forgot about it. I remember it at the time, and and then it just just slipped out of my memory. It's, it's so frustrating, and yet you go back every time, and and you fight the good fight, and and you're there in in the state legislature. So you've got to run off. Coming up here next week yet again. Uh, I mean, I pull up the disclosures. The amount of lobbyists pouring money in to try to get you out of there, and that's the other striking thing to me is when you got all of these lobbyists uh, who are opposed to you, which just means they they want more money out of the state legislature, and you're the one telling them no. Well, yeah, there, there's a little bit of that, and yet the thing is. Quite honestly, they, the lobbyists frequently, the, the individual lobbyists there in the Capitol, they enjoy having conversations with me. I enjoy learning from them uh, on every particular matter. There's no way I can be a subject matter expert in all of them. So I'll talk to the lobbyists on the pro and the con side. I enjoy those conversations. They enjoy the conversations. We get along great. But, yeah, uh, it's also – they want to have their legislation carried in a certain way. So it's it's um, it's an insidious relationship between the leadership and the lobbyist organizations. Um, they, they feed on each other. You need me, I need you, I'll scratch your back, you'll scratch my back. That's what's really going on. It's just part of the swamp. Everybody knows that there's a swamp up in D.C., but uh, they, they get their training down at the Capitol. <laughs> Gosh. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate you stopping by and talking about this because I I know it's a nationwide problem. When I talk to conservative groups around the country, it always is uh, that the Democrats are the opposition and it's the Republican leaders who are the ones out to get the conservatives. And and that never ceases to amaze me how Republicans who claim to be conservative are doing their best to try to defeat the actual conservatives in the state legislature. So keep your head up and and best of luck to you next week. And thanks. And if I can say one last thing, the conservative message is a winning message. All we have to do is look at what happened in Texas with uh, the woman that flipped that that seat. That's a Democrat seat. And now she is the first Mexican born uh, legislator or congressman. Myra Flores. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what we're talking about. Our message is the right message and everybody wants to glom onto it. So come with me. We're the ones with a winning message. And we're the ones who do the right things for citizens of the nation. Amen to that. Thank you very much for joining me. Sherry Gilligan, she is up uh, in Georgia. There's big runoff in Georgia. Um, I've I've got three races I care about. Uh, Rich McCormick in the 6th Congressional District. Uh, Sherry Gilligan in the state legislature, who was just with me, and Mike Collins uh, in the 10th Congressional District. Uh, those three. Uh, you know, like, uh, so um, there's a 2nd Congressional District in Georgia as well. 
and I've I've got a, a Jeremy Hunt is running. I've support Jeremy. I endorsed him. Honestly, I support Jeremy because I thought uh, Chris, who he's running against, decided not to run. When I looked up the names and I didn't see him, it was my oversight. I would have endorsed Chris. But you're blessed because you got two great guys there. And you know, in the six you do as well, Jake Evans and Rich McCormick, they're both great guys. I just happen to know and like Rich a ton, and I'm really disappointed with all the negative attacks on him that aren't true. Uh, Rich McCormick, we need a Marine like that in the in the um, particularly if you got Kevin McCarthy's coming to speaker, you need a Marine like Rich McCormick to be up there who's willing to to stand up and and be principled. And then Mike Collins is running against the the pro-abortion Democrat turned pro-life Republican, uh, conveniently turned pro-life Republican. But Sherry Gilligan, y'all, in the state legislature in Georgia, if you're in Forsyth County, she needs your help. The runoff is on Tuesday. She fundamentally absolutely has got to have your help because uh, the lobbyists and the leaders are coming out to get her for having the audacity to just be a conservative who's actually a conservative. And again, this happens all over the country, whether I talk to legislators in Ohio or Illinois or Florida or, or I mean, in, in Florida, you think, oh, they're all Republicans out there. Yeah, but just because you're a Republican doesn't mean you're a conservative. Conservative actually stands for something, small government, pro-family, school choice, things like that. Uh, Sherry Gilligan has long fought for school choice in the state legislature in Georgia. The school choicers should be out there pouring money in to help her. In this runoff, uh, and she always tends to stand alone, and she does so in principle. And so, I'm happy to get her on the program. Now, with all the the chaos out there, you need conservatives and small government and fiscal discipline, but you need it in your own life as well. Like, for example, dealing with your retirement. Now's the time to protect it. If you have fifty thousand dollars or more in your IRA, your four hundred one k, or other retirement savings, your money could be at risk. You don't have a lot of options, but you can protect your money. With physical gold and silver, these 40-year inflation, the interest rate hikes and the like, inflation, well, you might use gold and silver as a hedge against it, maybe, if it's a good fit for you. Call my friends at Goldco. See if they can work with you. 855-904-5933. You'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call my friends at Golco. Find out how you qualify for the offer. Golco has helped thousands of Americans. They may be able to help you. It's 855-904-5933 or better yet, just text my name to 33777. That's Eric with a C-K, E-R-I-C-K. Text that to 33777. And I will send you back Gold Coast toll-free number. Call them, tell them I sent you, see if they can be a good fit for you in helping you with your retirement and using precious metals. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I am going to go to Daniel calling. Daniel, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, God bless you, Eric. Thank you. God bless you and your family. Um, so my question is, uh, in the, with the November election, do you think that the Democrats could learn, could actually accept their flaws and what they've done wrong and potentially open access for the fuel industries or for people to invest in the fuel industries so that you know, our prices could go down? Oh no, um, no, I, I, I don't. I think they are dogmatically convinced that they have got to force us as a nation to transition 
to um, to to other things. And the result is that, for example, they refuse to change uh, or allow oil and gas companies to be able to get it, get their money back out of their investment. I mean, the problem here is, in, in fact, where is this? I, I flagged this the other day. Hang on a second. Y'all bear with me for a second because this is you got to you got to hear this um, because it sets the stage perfectly uh, for the stuff we're dealing with. Um, it is, uh, this is Jennifer Granholm, the energy secretary. Yep. Here it is on with John Berman on CNN. Listen to this exchange. Do you five years from now, 10 years from now, are you telling me you want them drilling for more oil? You want the refineries putting out more gasoline in five or 10 years? What we're saying is today we need that supply increased. Of course, in five or 10 years, actually in, in the immediate, we are also pressing on the accelerator, if you will, to move toward clean energy so that we don't have to be under the thumb of petro-dictators like Putin or at the whim of the volatility of fossil fuels. Ultimately, America will be most secure when we can rely mm-hmm. upon our own clean domestic production of energy. But that's the problem solar, for these companies. Wind, these through- companies are saying, you know, you're asking me to do more now, invest more now, when in fact, five or 10 years from now, we don't think that demand will be there. And the administration doesn't even necessarily want it to be there. Just one last question on Saudi Arabia. The president is going to Saudi Arabia, where we understand he will be meeting with the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. Is there any kind of promise beforehand that the Saudis will increase production? No, no, there's no promise beforehand. He's no. There's not. And let me just say, John, I'm John, I mean, we're, we really want to see us move to clean energy, but we also need to see this increase right now. And we are asking the oil and gas companies as well to diversify and make sure that part of that they become diversified energy companies to be able to produce other means of clean energy because they have huge deep pockets. They have a big ability to invest in the future as well as investing right now so that we don't see Oil and gas causing the inflation numbers and people being hurt every day. Wait, wait, I thought it was Putin causing the inflation. Now she's saying it's the oil and gas companies causing the inflation. Here's the problem. If you listen to this program, it takes at least 10, but typically 20 years to get your money back. What you just heard Jennifer Granholm say is she wants energy companies to make massive investments today to increase the oil supply while also saying, but we're going to shut you down in five to 10 years. Why would anybody make that investment? If it takes 10 to 20 years to reap your investment, to make your money back, why would anyone do it? That's the reality. That's the problem. And I, honest to goodness, I don't know if they even realize it. I don't know if they even really truly understand how badly they've made it, uh, how, how much they bungled. I just don't know that they realize that this is uh, what they're doing works. I don't, think that they do actually. I don't think it's just a a matter of maliciousness. I think it's that they're ignorant because they don't have anybody in the administration who knows anything about oil and gas. Some of it is malicious to be sure, but not all of it. Some of it's just plain ignorance because 
they don't know anything about the industry. It's remarkable how badly uh, they're going to screw up inflation and our domestic energy independence because they're too hostile, too stupid, and too ignorant. 